What's up, guys? This is Mike. This is Dave, and you're listening to the Mike and Dave Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Mike and Dave Podcast. This is Dave, and I'm very excited for this particular episode uh, because we're going to be doing the 2021 NBA team tier list, uh, which is going to be similar to what we did for the NFL back in episode nine. If you haven't already listened to that, go ahead and give it a listen because it'll still be interesting to see what our thoughts were before the NFL season. Um, and the NBA season is just starting up now. Mike, how are you feeling about the uh, the NBA and uh, the start of the NBA season? I'm really looking forward to it. As you know, basketball is my favorite sport. So anytime there's NBA basketball going on, I'm always super excited. Definitely excited to go through this tier list. I think that you know, we we got a lot right so far with the NFL tier list, but we also got plenty wrong. Odds are that'll be the case. Or like, we'll get a couple wrong. You know, that's just the nature of it, right? These are all preseason predictions. But I'm feeling pretty confident in our tier list for the NBA. I'm excited to go through it. I also want to say, just as a quick shout out, congrats to the Chicago Sky winning the WNBA Finals the other day. Uh Candace Parker, really cool to see her get her second championship, especially like she's from Chicago. So like coming home, doing that. And then also just talk about like, we knew about Candace Parker. We knew about Courtney Vandersloot, one of the better point guards in the WNBA. She was going to get hers. We know about Allie Quigley. She's a sniper, but Kalea Copper, she was having a good season already, but then comes out averages like 17 points with like five and a half boards as a six, one guard when wins finals MVP, this is like her coming out party to show like that she is a like solid cemented part of the Chicago sky team. And like at 27 years old, like she'll be there for like several more years to hold it down. I, I like what I saw out of her. Um, and to be honest, I expected the mercury to win. So I kind of treated the sky as underdogs. Which still cool to see. Uh, they won three games to one, so not like the best series ever, but still entertaining. And again, congrats to the Sky. That was still fun to watch on their side of it. Yeah, congrats to the Chicago Sky. Candace Parker is a legend, uh, and you know what they say: the sky's the limit, and they proved that. So. That's going to wrap up our intro, and we're going to go right into uh, our tier list, so stick around. All right, guys. So when we did the NFL tier list in episode nine, we split the all the teams in the league into five categories, and we're going to do the same thing here. So we have our NBA Finals favorites, our Finals contenders, our Finals hopefuls, our long shots, and our no shots. And just a disclaimer, this no shots is more or less about like teams that we just don't expect to make the playoffs. So there are a lot of teams in long shots where we're like, probably not winning the finals, count that, but they'll make a playoff push. We expect to see them at least in the play-in. So with all that in mind, just like with the NFL, we're going to have each team within each category numbered. So you'll have the tier separations as well as like, okay, well, within the no shots, this team will be better than this team. So Dave, let's start us off at number 30, the worst team 
in the NBA. And uh, the caboose of his tier list, if you will, the Oklahoma City Thunder. They just, they're a young team. Uh, of course, they gave that max contract to Shea Gilch's Alexander. Time will tell if uh, he's worth that. Um, they drafted Josh Giddy, uh, so they're going to see what they can get out of him and just continue to develop their young players, Lou Dort, uh, Alexei Pokusevsky. Uh, they're just going to see what they've got, and I don't, really don't think that they're too interested in winning, uh, just developing their young players and building for the future, seeing what they have in their young players. So, yeah, I think the Thunder have the least urgency in the NBA to win, especially considering they still have all of these draft picks coming up as well. We've got a new head coach as well. And it's interesting when we did our episode talking about what we expected for the NBA draft, we each talked about a rebuilding team, a middling team and a contending team. And Dave, this was your rebuilding team. And here we have them at the very bottom. And I, I agree. Thunder, not going to make much noise this season. Let's transition to the team that I picked for the rebuilding team, the Houston Rockets. Houston, we have a problem. I mean, they drafted Jalen Green at number two. You draft number two because you're not good. Though, I mean, we expect Jalen Green to like come in, generate some wins, get some buzz and all that. They've basically said that they're not even interested in playing John Wall. They're just going to try and trade him and his like $40 million contract. Good luck. Got some good pieces in Jay Sean Tate, Christian Wood. But the enigma that is Kevin Porter Jr., who is now apparently going to be a point guard. You know, I, I feel like in Houston, they just kind of have free range to just do whatever. Um, no one really knows what's going on over there. They don't even know what's going on. Uh yeah, I mean, the Rockets, they've got some young talent for sure. But, uh, you know, and then they still have kind of holdovers like Eric Gordon. They signed Daniel Tice to just kind of fill in some minutes, I guess. I don't really know why. Um, but, yeah, it'll be it'll be pretty, pretty interesting. Similar to the Thunder, the young talent is just going to develop there. And they're just this is just going to be one of those seasons for them. Now, moving on to number 28, the Orlando Magic. Now, the Magic are coming off of uh, a draft where they got a potential franchise point guard in Jalen Suggs. Uh, I know they were pretty excited about that pick. They've got a lot of point guards, though, uh, a lot of guards, and this roster seems pretty imbalanced. Um, again, if you're sensing a similar theme, it's because there is one. The Magic are another team that are just going to try to figure out what they have, uh, develop these young players once again, and really aren't going to be contending uh, in any way, shape, or form this season. They have good young pieces, like you said, Jalen Suggs, Cole Anthony, Jonathan Isaac, but we also just watched them blow it up. They sent Nikola Vucevic, who'd been their best player for years, to Chicago. They have no interest in making a push right now, so we have no interest in pretending that they're going to. So at 28, they sit. At 27, Cleveland Cavaliers. They've got eh, some young pieces. I mean, Colin Sexton and Darius Garland are individually good. I don't know how well they're meant to be together, like long-term. I think one of them should probably go before too long, uh, get some more like supporting pieces, maybe a good wing. They draft Evan Mobley. 
I mean, people were making a case for him to be like top three anyway. Um, Jared, Jared Allen's not bad, but what is bad is the Cavs as a whole. I don't expect them to do much this season. Yeah, they added Laurie Marketing as well, which should be a pretty interesting fit, uh, fitting right in at the number four slot in that lineup next to Mobley slash Allen. Uh, they've got some some talent for sure. It's just how does all that talent work together? Like you said, can Sexton and Garland work as the as the point guard and shooting guard combo? You can't really play Allen and Mobley at the same time unless Mobley develops a more reliable jump shot. How does Markinen fit into all of this? Yeah, Cleveland, <clears throat> ever since LeBron left, it's just kind of been uh, an also-ran, and I think that'll probably just continue this year as well as they try to figure out who they want to build around for the future. Now coming in at number 26, it's the Detroit Pistons. Uh, coming off of their drafting of number one overall pick, Cade Cunningham, I won't say that Detroit fans are going to have a lot to be excited about this season, but I think the future is looking pretty bright. Their draft last year was pretty good. They got Sadiq Bey out of that. Uh, they got Isaiah Stewart out of that. Both of them have shown a lot of promise in their rookie seasons. Um, Jeremy Grant kind of blossomed into a number one score, scoring option, which realistically he shouldn't be, but um, he can still be a pretty solid piece on this roster. Um, and, you know, they've still got the point guard Killian Hayes. We'll see how he continues to develop and if he can play alongside Katie Cunningham as well. And, you know, Dwayne Casey's going to do his his part in continuing to develop these young players and uh, look for the future. Of course, I'm sure all of these teams are saying, we're going to aim for the play-in tournament or we're going to aim for the playoffs. We really don't see that becoming a reality for any of these teams. Uh, but I, we think the, the Pistons are going to be at least getting a little bit closer to the long shot category of maybe they could sneak in closer to the play in, but probably not this season. You mentioned Sadiq Bay and Isaiah Stewart, and both of them made all rookie, all NBA rookie first team last year. Coming from a former Michigander, I like the direction that Detroit is going because for years it was just like, oh, well, we basically suck but we don't suck enough to get a number one number two number three pick like a guy that's really going to change the franchise so we'll keep hanging out at this like 11th or 10th spot in the east that was doing us absolutely no good every now and then you get the eighth seed and get immediately pushed out of the playoffs like yesterday's garbage so Dwayne Casey at head coach with number one pick Kate Cunningham I like that and in terms of like future potential uh, following them at number 25, we've got the Minnesota Timberwolves. I mean, Carl Anthony Towns is good. D'Angelo Russell, good. On offense, like both of them. What what team is going to struggle to score against Minnesota, though, honestly? Yeah, I mean, Anthony Edwards showed a lot of potential at the end of last season, the second half. Um Arguably should have won. He was our pick for rookie of the year on this podcast. Um, he got edged out by LaMelo Ball, of course. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the Timberwolves, they're undergoing some front office turnover as well. They fired their team president. But yeah, they're just kind of, I think, look, still looking for that identity. They drafted Towns, number one overall, and he hasn't really done much 
for being the face of the franchise. Defensively, they're struggling, and that's why they round out uh, our no shots. We just don't think that they can compete on both ends of the floor enough to be able to uh, make the play-in tournament and especially not uh, make a run in the playoffs. So now moving into the long shots, the last of our long shots is going to be the San Antonio Spurs. And I think the only reason that Mike and I decided that this would be the case is because of Greg Popovich. Talent-wise, they're potentially bottom five in the league, uh, but coaching is always going to bump them up a little bit. And just to be clear, this is a collaborative tier list. Uh, Mike and I both came up with our own, and then we discussed it before we got on the podcast, just because it would take way too long for us to go back and forth and uh, and debate our each of our tier lists. Um, but yeah, we both agreed that Coach Pop was the reason why we had the Spurs in the long shots. Yeah, we decided to spare you that two-hour conversation and just trim it down a little bit. But any team with one of the top coaches in history is above a no-shot. But when tops of, the top of your roster is like DeJounte Murray, Keldon Johnson, who has potential, and I like him, but when when that's the top of it, we can't go much higher than 24. At 23, we've got the Toronto Raptors. Kyle Lowry, the longtime point guard, leaves for the Heat. And the Heat send back Goran Dragic, who's not a scrub. He can play, but it's definitely a downgrade from Kyle Lowry, both in terms of skill and like effect on the team and culture. Uh, just like losing that vocal leader like can't be understated. They've got pieces. It's not like they don't, but we have to see like how do Dragic and Van Vliet fit together? Can Siakam play the full season? And like at at how high of a clip can he perform? Yeah, um, I'm looking forward to, of course, how Scotty Barnes plays in his rookie season. Um, also, the development of Ojiana Nobi will be interesting to me as well. Like you said, they've got a lot of pieces there, but they've kind of lost their their leader. Uh, first, they lose DeRozan, and of course, they get Kawhi, so that worked out pretty well for them. But then Kawhi leaves, and now Kyle Lowry's left, and you know they're they're left picking up the pieces and figuring out, you know, is this still a team that can compete? And if not, then you know which pieces do we want to choose to build around uh, moving forward? So yeah, the Raptors will be an interesting team to watch this season. And I will say one more thing about the Raptors. They did finish 27 and 45 last season. But remember, they played basically no home games because of the COVID situation. They were stuck playing in Florida all year. So they never even got to play in Toronto, really. So this year, that'll be different uh, with like more measures being taken to like play, I guess, in spite of COVID protocol or how, however you want to word that they're going to be able to play actual home games, which should in and of itself bump their record up a bit. For sure. So now we're moving on to uh, our 22nd team. We're going with the Charlotte Hornets. Um, This is not a fun to watch tier list. This is a, how will they actually finish in the league tier list? And the Hornets have a lot of exciting pieces. There's no doubt about that. 
Of course, LaMelo came in and was way better than I think we both of us expected. Uh, they've still got some of those veteran presences like uh, Gordon Hayward, Terry Rozier. Uh, Miles Bridges has continued to evolve his game since he's been in the league. Um, you know, they added Kelly Oubre. And they're going to be a fun team to watch for sure, but will they be able to actually uh, turn all of that, all of their like uh, young talent into wins? We're not sure. Uh, maybe they will. Maybe they'll prove us wrong. But for right now, I just don't think that they have the um, the playoff experience. I think they're still a, a couple seasons away from really contending. It's sad to me that they lose Cody Zeller. He is a He'd been on that team for, I think, like 10 years, give or take. Basically, since he got drafted from Indiana. But this team was six games below 500, and we're adding a years of a year of experience to all of those young guys that you mentioned. So yeah, there's no reason that they can't take an, another step, even in the absence of Cody Zeller. On to 21, Sacramento Kings. De'Aaron Fox, Beast. Tyrese Halliburton, all-rookie first team. Davion Mitchell, great draft pick. Buddy Heald, sniper. Rashawn Holmes, Tristan Thompson, consistently productive big men. I see some guard depth. I see some big depth. I don't see much wing depth. And I don't see a whole lot of like useful playoff experience. Tristan Thompson has been on those Cav teams with LeBron. But otherwise, like, there's just not a lot there in terms of players that have been there before. And Harrison Barnes, sorry. Yeah, and we, I mean, we were talking about the Timberwolves having a really poor defense. The Kings are no different. Um, hopefully, Davion Mitchell can do something about that. But the Kings are one of those teams. They like to play fast, but they'll turn, you know, they're prone to turning the ball over and they don't really have a whole ton, you know, a whole bunch of defensive stoppers on their team. And, you know, when it comes to the playoffs, that makes it tough. So maybe the Kings squeeze into the playoffs this year for the first time in however long. Uh, but even if they do, I don't think this this team is prepared uh, to to go much further than maybe the play-in tournament or the first round. So now we're moving into number 20, the Washington Wizards who have seen a pretty dramatic shakeup of their roster, mostly stemming from the big Russell Westbrook trade, of course, trading Russell Westbrook to the Lakers in return for Kuzma, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Montrez Harrell. All of these players are serviceable. Um, you know, I think they could be rotation players on a contending team. But, and of course, we'll, we'll be adding that to Bradley Beal, and they also signed Spencer Dinwiddie as well, who's kind of a forgotten man after he was out all of last year due to an injury. They've got some potential for sure, uh, but if we're being honest, the Wizards are just kind of blah. You know, uh, they just haven't really been able to put it together for quite some time, uh, and we'll just have to see how all these new pieces fit together as well. Uh, they've got a couple of young players as well, like Daniel Gafford, who had a really good end of the year last year who might develop and and turn into a, a pretty important player for them but overall I think it's going to take a little while for all of these players to gel and by then it might be too late 
And Rui Hachimura is a good young player as well. I'm just looking at this team like, how many points does Bradley Beal have to score on a night-to-night -night basis just to keep them in games? And usually the answer is like 30 or more. And in the playoffs, I don't see that as being super dependable. And that's not a shot against Bradley necessarily. Uh, that's not a shot against Beal necessarily. It's just, is your supporting cast going to be good enough to like help you do that? Probably not when we look at some of these other Eastern contenders. At 19, we've got the Pelicans. Lonzo Ball leaves. Yeah, you'll probably start Devontae Graham. I would rather have Lonzo Ball on my team, aside from the drama from his father, who, to be honest, we really haven't heard that much from in the last like year or two. I think once LaMelo got to league, he was like, all right, that's enough. But Brandon Ingram it looks really good like pretty often uh, in recent years, like especially last year. Uh, Zion, it's Zion, right? He's going to get his attention. He's going to get his dunks and everything. Can he play a full year, first of all? You get Valanchunas. You trade Steven Adams, you bring back Valanchunas. I would say that's a net win. Valanchunas is better on offense. Adams is a better rebounder, better defender. But I would say the degree to which Valanchunas is better on offense is greater than the degree to which Adams is better on defense. I think one issue I have, though, is like, okay, you give up Adams, so your defense goes down on at that position. Zion isn't the best defender. Brandon Ingram isn't the best defender. Lonzo Ball is a good defender. You lose him. So I see plenty more defensive question marks here. And I see, again, not that much playoff experience. Yeah, um, I think the Pelicans have a bit more depth than they've had in years past. Uh, I mean, coming off the bench, um, you mentioned... Devontae Graham will probably start at point guard for them, but you've got Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who's going to be looking to take that next step. He had a really good summer league. Uh, Garrett Temple, Sadoransky, Josh Hart is still there. All these guys are you know, pretty solid rotation pieces. And of course, they drafted Trey Murphy from Virginia, who was one of my standout, uh, I think it was my best fit, I think, when we did our NBA draft recap. Um He's been balling. He shot 44% from three in summer league, 53% from three in the preseason. So that'll do a lot for spacing for Zion, uh, for Brandon Ingram to operate. Uh, I think the Pelicans, of course, it comes down to Zion. Can he stay healthy? Because when he does, he's a force. Uh, but when he's not, then it, it fall, it'll, you know, it's going to fall on Brandon Ingram, Devontae Graham. Uh, and I think they have enough talent to make the playoffs, but they're not quite ready to to make any kind of push for sure. Now, the last of our long shots. <clears throat> um, all due respect to John Morant, but we're going to put the Memphis Grizzlies here at number 18. John Morant and, you know, we just talked about Zion. They came in together, number, number one pick and number two pick in that draft. And John Morant has done a better job at leading his team to victories uh, we were discussing the Grizzlies and the Pelicans back and forth. You know, which one do we prefer? And we decided to go with the Grizzlies just because they've been more consistent. Um, and we we kind of trust the stability there rather than the 
who knows what we're going to get with the Pelicans. This is a really big year for Jaron Jackson. He just signed that rookie extension, but can he stay healthy? You know, we we haven't really seen a full season out of him. And also, can he grab more than like three rebounds a game? Like this guy, I don't I don't know what if it's effort or what, but may, my dude just stands at the three point line, I guess, and just doesn't really bother to get any rebounds. Uh, I, th- that was also like a fantasy basketball gripe of mine that was coming out there, uh, but. Yeah, Jaron Jackson, I mean, he's got a lot of a lot of pressure on him now. He signed that big contract extension, and they're going to expect him to produce. So we'll see if he'll be able to. I can't say enough about how impressed I've been with John Morant this early in his career. Yeah, we just look at him next to Zion, and John Morant has just done better. Like, I would, if I'm not looking at it from the standpoint of like who's going to get more media attention. I would much rather have my team building around John Morant than Zion. I trust Jaw to play more games. Uh, I trust him. Like you can put the ball in his hands and let him operate more just by virtue of him being a guard. I don't know. I think that there's more potential for his ascension. I don't know if that sounds weird. Uh, I, I just expect him to have a better career and I've, He's made me trust that he'll put his team in a better position to succeed. Also, shout out Dylan Brooks. He'll miss the first few weeks after, like I think, breaking a bone in his hand or something. But when he comes back, that's a great uh, shooter and supporter to John Morant. And a defender as well. Yeah, for sure. That's going to end our long shots. So moving into the hopefuls. The worst team in our hopefuls, or... The team with the least hope in the hopeful category. The LA Clippers. Now, if you just like flinched when you heard that, first of all, remember, Kawhi is not going to play this year. So then you have to ask, how much do you trust Paul George to be that guy on a team leading it, like leading the team towards a championship? Now, how much do you trust him once we get into the playoffs? On a on a night in and night out basis, because he's had plenty of good playoff games. He's also had plenty of bad ones. How far is Paul George going to drag this team that doesn't have Montrez Harrell anymore? I mean, that's been over a year now, but they also don't have Patrick Beverly anymore. That they have talent on their roster, but do they have enough to like make a finals run? I don't think so. Yeah, definitely. Without Kawhi, that's why they're at the bottom of the hopefuls because. It is kind of hopeful or wishful thinking for them to be able to make a finals or make a playoff push without Kawhi. Uh, let's just be honest here. I mean, a couple of guys who stood out in last year's playoffs, Reggie Jackson was absolutely insane for them. He resigned. Uh, Terrence Mann's going to, my guy from Florida State, uh, he had a, a real breakout performance in the playoffs, and he's going to be asked uh, to have, to play a bigger role for them. So I'm excited to see about his development, but I think the Clippers have kind of just gotten that reputation over the past couple years since Kawhi and Paul George went there as being one of the top teams in the West. But looking at their roster and just being straight up, like without Kawhi, it's not realistically, it's probably not going to happen. So that's why we have them probably a little bit lower than you would have thought at number 17. And let's just call it like it is. 
they couldn't even do it with Kawhi. What makes what would make anyone think they could do it without him? That's true. Yeah, it's tough, but but it's true. Uh, of course, Kawhi did already do it once, so you can't really doubt him. But moving on to number sixteen, uh, this is another team with a lot of turnover. Uh, the Chicago Bulls. So Vucevic got traded to them last year. Uh, Zach Levine has continued to ascend for them, uh, pun intended, because he jumps high and dunks. Um, but you know they added a couple of really uh, impact players in the offseason. They signed Lonzo Ball. They got DeRozan as well. Um, and they still have some young players like Patrick Williams, Kobe White, um, who are going to play pretty big roles there too. But how are all these new pieces going to fit together? You know, are they going to play DeRozan a lot as a power forward? That's a little strange. Um, you know, DeRozan is a guy who thrived with a ball in his hands last year for the Spurs and more of a playmaking role than he's taken on previously. Is he going to have the chance to do that with Lonzo there uh, and Levine, both of which, you know, want to have the ball in their hands more than not. Uh, and then of course, Caruso is going to be there too, who is more of an off ball, you know, defensive player for sure. And I think that was a really big signing for them, but how are all these pieces going to fit together? Uh, we'll just have to wait and see, but really past those guys that I mentioned, there's not a whole lot of depth on this roster either. So if they, if they have a couple of, of injuries, then they're really going to struggle this year. Vucevic is such an underrated player, like definitely an off, a more offensive center, but it's not like he can't play defense. The defense is there. It's just not at an elite level. You're not going to switch him on to anybody. <laughs> right, right. But he can hold it down. Yeah. What they were doing in preseason was weirdly starting Lonzo, Caruso, Zach Levine, DeRozan, and Vucevic. Pretty small lineup, but it looked like what they were trying to do is just like, sort of like, here are our best players. We're going to have our these four just try and outrun you, operate in transition, which they seem to be doing pretty effectively just based on the nature of like how those four players play. They seem to like gel pretty well together. But when I look at it, like, okay, what happens when you play like a team with a legitimate power forward? Uh, what happens when you face a team with like a bigger, small forward or something? I don't know how this team matches up that well defense. Like, I don't know how this team matches up defensively with a lot of teams in the league, but if they're just going to try and play to that strength, I'm very interested to see how well they do that. Yeah. The bulls are, I think one of the more interesting teams in the league uh, based on off of all of those off season moves. I mean, arguably the most or the busiest team in the off season this year. Now moving into number 15, this is right at the, uh, top half of the league. We've got the New York Knicks, who last time we saw them were uh, getting dominated by the Hawks. Uh, Julius Randle was choking in Madison Square Garden in his own backyard. Uh, and now it's up to the Knicks to show that last year wasn't a fluke. You know, can Julius Randle come back and do it again now that everybody knows to guard him at the three-point line, which for some reason already was allergic to doing so last year. Uh, of course, they added a couple of uh, of key pieces. Kemba Walker, 
We'll see what he's got left in the tank. Evan Fournier is an upgrade for them over uh, Reggie Bullock. And, you know, they still have D Rose there. Mitchell Robinson will come back from injury. He's an impact player when he's actually starting and when he's healthy. Um, and, you know, Thibodeau is going to make them work hard. They're going to, you know, they're going to compete on both ends, but this is kind of a prove it year for the Knicks. And I think, you know, based on this tier list, they're going to be a playoff team again, but will they be able to make it out of the first round? Stephen A thinks so. I don't. So of course, Stephen A thinks so because he's from New York and he just kind of says whatever he feels like saying. Sometimes he backs it, or sometimes he backs it up. Other times he doesn't. I mean, hey, we talked about this before. There is media bias there. Remember when we had like fourteen two picking the Knicks to beat the Hawks or whatever it was. I think it was more than that. To be honest, I don't even know what it was, but it was disrespectful. It was it was mad disrespectful. Which is why it was uh, on the very first segment of that disrespectful was about that. Throwing it way back now, but. We're going to give the Knicks credit as a a top half of the league team. I think in signing Kemba Walker, depending on how much he has left, that may have addressed their biggest need, which was someone that can create for himself. But what we saw in the playoffs, and we've talked about this before, is that their best player was Julius Randle, and he's not the best player on a championship team. And I can't say that they picked up a best player on a championship team because they didn't. So I think this is where they comfortably belong. The rematch of the Knicks versus the Hawks is actually going to be on Christmas day at Madison square garden. So if y'all are interested in watching, if y'all are, you know, basketball fanatics and like watching basketball on Christmas, then that's going to be the game to watch for sure. That atmosphere will be electric at MSG. I'm sorry. This is going to sound bad. But NBA Christmas is low-key my favorite part of Christmas anyway. <laughs> I'm just like, yes, I'm going to sit in this chair and watch basketball all day. Well, that's been me for the last, like, mm, at least 10 years. And I finally get to watch the Hawks on NBA Christmas. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. So... Number 14, we're going to go to the Indiana Pacers. DeMontis Sabonis is a beast. He's already better than his father, Arvidas Sabonis. Uh, right by a long shot, let's be real. Uh, Miles Turner, also good. Malcolm Brogdon, really good. Karis LeVert, good Lord, please like don't get injured again this season. I'm like tired of seeing that for you. But when he's healthy, deadly. TJ Warren was balling if we take it back to like the bubble where he was dropping like 50 or whatever. Like this team has potential. They, they have like good pieces there. Can they all st- stay healthy? Can they all gel? This I want to see. Yeah, I mean, if you look at their starting five, you've got Brogdon, Lavert, TJ Warren, Sabonis, and Miles Turner. That's a pretty solid starting five that I think could compete with most of the teams in the NBA. It's just, can they all stay healthy? You know, um, I think last year was a disaster with their uh, chemistry, with their coaching staff. Rick Carlisle's there now. That's a huge hire for them. One of the more respected coaches in the league. Obviously was with the Mavericks for quite some time. 
Um, and I think he's going to get more out of this Pacers team. If they avoid the injury bug, then I think they could um, probably get a, a top five seed in the East if everything uh, goes correctly. But we've kind of seen with the Pacers that hasn't happened for quite some time. So I think low-key one of the more interesting teams with that coaching uh, shakeup there. And interestingly, our next team is Rick Carlisle's former team, the Dallas Mavericks. Obviously, Luka Doncic is a beast. He's already a top 10 player, and that's pretty much an understatement. Is the rest of this team going to help him, though? Like, when I say, like, the rest of the team is support pieces, that's kind of an overstatement. Like, there are there are guys that can play basketball, right? Like, there's Tim Hardaway Jr., Porzingis kind of sometimes. Um, Dorian Finney-Smith's not bad. It's just like, when we look at some of these other teams, the supporting staff is just way better. Yeah, I mean, we've seen Luka drag his team kicking and screaming, you know, and they still lose in the first round every year. Um, Luka can only do so much on his own, and he's doing a lot. Like, he's been amazing in the playoffs, even battling through injuries. uh, He's still been very effective. But like you said, I think the reason why we have the Mavericks kind of a little bit lower and... um, we the next few teams we were all we you know we kind of had them all bunched up trying to figure out which team we liked more than others and the Mavericks ended up kind of at the bottom portion of that group just because they're going to need more guys to step up uh, rather than just Luka doing it on his own so it'll be interesting to see the Mavericks especially with Jason Kidd as head coach let's be honest it did not go well last time with the Bucks. um who knows if he's learned any mistakes or if he's learned from his mistakes. Uh, and hopefully he will, he'll try to just kind of emulate what Rick Carlisle was doing and not try to implement his own misguided <laughs> tactics on his team. Uh, moving on to number 12, another team with a first year head coach, man, there was a lot of turnover this year. Uh, it's the Boston Celtics. So of course the Celtics have got a couple of the, the league's best young wings uh, and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Uh, they've got <clears throat> perennial pest Marcus Smart, uh, the Time Lord himself, Robert Williams at center, who could be primed for a breakout year this year. They brought Al Horford back. Uh, they've got a pretty solid roster. You know, that really weird shakeup with Brad Stevens replacing Danny Inge and then, you know, hiring a, a brand new head coach. It's pretty interesting. So it's kind of hard to to see where the Celtics are are going to end up this year, just because that was a big such a big change. Uh, but the core of the team remains the same, and they're just you know theoretically just going to continue to get better as they mature. So Celtics kind of one of those under the radar teams this year, I think. I will say an early moment that I've seen from their new head coach Ime Adoka came in their preseason game. I think it was against the Heat, where Grant Williams like stayed behind on the play to complain to the ref during which time bam Adebayo just ran back and got a dunk since you know grant williams didn't run back on defense and so adoka calls a timeout and just takes grant williams out and then he said later like we're sending a message that we're not we're not going to be that team that just like 
sits back and complains, we're going to like hustle back. And so he like made an example out of Grant Williams. And I was like, okay, way to go ahead and like make your presence known as like a new coach. Yeah, I don't think he should take his position for granted in the rotation. But yeah, you like a you like a head coach making his mark and just you know going ahead and laying down the law. Like the Celtics have kind of had those kind of chemistry locker room issues for quite some time now. It feels like so maybe this will be the fresh you know the breath of fresh air that they need. Oh yeah, and of course Dennis Schroeder is there now with that gigantic contract that he signed. <laughs> Dennis Schroeder doesn't even play football, and yet he still managed to fumble. Dennis Schroeder challenging Mark Sanchez for the worst fumble I've ever seen. <laughs> he fumbled, was it like $79 million? I think he went from $84 million to $5.9 or something. His name might be Dennis Schroeder, but he ain't a shrewd negotiator. <laughs> I think he needs to be shrewder next time. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> or we could just sit in that pun for the next few seconds. No, okay. Um, number 11, Portland Trailblazers. What can we say? When you got Damian Lillard, you've always got a chance. Uh, kind of what we were talking about, about Luka Doncic, it's the same thing. Can Dame's supporting cast give him any help? I think the Trailblazers have a better supporting cast than the Mavs do. Of course, you got CJ McCollum there, Yusuf Nurkic, uh, Norman Powell got traded there last year. He's done pretty well, um, but they just can't get over the hump. Um, and Terry Stotts paid the price for it with his job last year. Um, now they got a new head coach, and yet the same old problems remain. I'm interested to see how Chauncey Billups does as a head coach. Point he was the point guard for the Detroit Pistons when I like first got into basketball, and now to see him coaching, I'm very interested in that. I mentioned earlier that I didn't like seeing Cody Zeller leave the Hornets, and that's basically just because I love seeing players that stick with one franchise. But from the Trailblazers' perspective. I think Cody Zeller is a nice addition to this team. I hope that this team can give Dame some support because, my gosh, he deserves a championship. So much respect for a player. I mean, like we saw last season with Giannis, like, no, I'm not going to join a super team. I'm going to stay and win one uh, the right way with the team that drafted me. And Damian Lillard has been trying to do that his whole career. It just hasn't materialized for him i feel bad because he deserves it but number 10 76ers let's let's talk about joel Embiid. Embiid is the type of player that if he put his mind to it he could go down in the post operate drop 40 with like 20 rebounds on any given night he's that dominant he's that like physically imposing weirdly he just like chooses not to sometimes and he'll just settle for these jumpers or these fadeaways or whatever and i think if he went down the post more 
this team would be more successful, but I'm, I can't put them too high because I know he's not going to do that. He's not going to like do what he is capable of doing on a night to night basis. I don't know how this whole Ben Simmons shit is going to unfold like in its, in its totality. Um, he's, he technically showed up at practice or like at least physically showed up. Like his body was there. Um, he had his like phone in his pocket, just kind of hanging out. He got sent home from practice. Uh, literally just like half-assing his way through this whole ordeal in hopes to get traded. We've talked about the shit show that this is before. But outside of that, the 76ers do have good support. So, And with Joel Embiid, we can't really put him lower than 10. No, definitely not. I mean, Embiid was also hurt against the Hawks, and that the Hawks barely managed to, to beat him. Uh, <clears throat> Seth Curry... Arguably, even a you know better three point shooter as far as percentage goes than his brother. Um, Tobias Harris still doing his thing there. I think they're going to need more from him, to be honest. Um, and of course, they've got a couple of young players too. You know, Tyrese Maxey showed sparks last year. He's probably going to be the guy to step in and play point guard for them in Ben Simmons' absence, assuming that Ben Simmons isn't going to play. Um, you know. Danny Green's still going to provide those those solid minutes on the wing, those three and D uh, minutes. Yeah, I mean the Sixers are still going to be up there for sure. But how does this whole thing pan out, and also how does it affect their season? We're just going to have to see. Number nine, the and this is the um, team with the most hope in our hopefuls category. And that's the Golden State Warriors. Of course, when you've got Steph, anything is possible. But this really hinges on the eventual return of Clay Thompson. Um, when you've when you've got the the trio of Steph, Clay, and Draymond, that's still a championship core. Um, even though they're they're a little bit older, I think they 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 still got it. We just have to see does Clay Thompson still have it. Uh, can he come back and and be the same kind of impact player that he was? The Warriors have a few other pieces around him, but at the end of the day, it comes down to those three. And the Warriors move, I think, into the contenders category if Clay is healthy to start the season. But he's not, and so we're just going to have to see. I think a healthy Clay, Steph, Draymond competes with any team in basketball. Jordan Poole had a great preseason, looking like the third Splash Brother. Of course, they draft. Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody. We talked about those being good picks for them. Yeah, I think this whole thing hinges on Clay Thompson uh, and his health. But we'll see how that shapes out. Moving into our contenders. Number eight. The Miami Heat. So, two seasons ago. They go to the NBA Finals and lose in six games to the Lakers. Last season, they get swept in the first round by the Bucks. One would think that they would sort of regress to the mean, so to speak, and then finish somewhere in the middle of those. 
they added Kyle Lowry, who, you know, while he is 35 years old, he's still good. You have Jimmy Butler, who I've said before and will say again, on any given day could play like the best player in basketball or the 30th best or anywhere in between. I think the team is well-constructed. You got Bam Adebayo and P.J. Tucker, both great defenders, in addition to Jimmy Butler being a fantastic defender. Got great shooters in Tyler Hero and even more so Duncan Robinson. Like this team has plenty of potential to go far. It's just a matter of like will they? Will they step up on the right nights? Yeah, and that's not even talking about uh, Victor Oladipo, who is kind of the wild card for this team. If he comes back and he can kind of show that form that he showed, I mean, what was it? I can't remember how long ago. It was three years ago when he was an all-star or something like that. Um, if he can finally stay healthy, that that could be the piece that puts him over the top. Lowry's a big addition, but seeing how they just got swept by the Bucks, just kind of tossed aside, that was a really big shock for everybody involved. Um, the fact that they couldn't even take one game off of the Bucks, even though the Bucks won the championship, I mean, still, uh, you would have expected more. So this is going to be kind of a, I think a bounce back year for the heat. And I think they've got title aspirations uh, with bringing in Lowry and still having that, that core that they had last season or even two seasons ago. Now going into number seven, uh, we've got the Denver Nuggets uh, led by reigning MVP uh, Nikola Jokic. Big question here is Jamal Murray. Um, he's going to be out <clears throat> until probably December or so. They we want to say um, he tore his ACL back in mid-April, but he's been progressing well. So that's going to be the big question mark: is when will Jamal Murray return? And when he does, will he still be that impact player that uh, he had blossomed into? But of course, they've got other stars too. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. This could be another breakout year for him after he had a breakout year last year. Uh, of course, they traded for Aaron Gordon to be, uh, you know, more of a, to provide more of a defensive presence, uh, cutting as well. And I think he could step up this year too. You know, Will Barton is still there. They drafted Bones Highland, who could be a, a spark off the bench for them. The Nuggets, they've got a lot of the pieces. Um, and, you know, they're, one year more experienced and with somebody like Jokic at the helm, um, they could go far this year. You may remember me saying on a past episode that I would have expected the Nuggets to potentially win, like go to the finals, like win the West had Jamal Murray been healthy. So now we come back into this season and we're talking about them getting to the playoffs and then maybe having a healthy Jamal Murray, if he's playing at the same level he was playing at not this past season, but the season before, like those playoffs, then I don't see any reason why the Nuggets can't be contenders by putting like those two together. Going to number six, some may call this disrespectful. They did just go to the finals, but we've got the Phoenix Suns at number six. So I'll talk about the good. You got Devin Booker, still a bucket. Chris Paul's coming back. One of the better point guards to ever play 
and it's not like he's taking huge steps down even as he's getting older. DeAndre Ayton, stud. I mean, like, he kind of got abused at the end of the finals, but like you had said before, who wouldn't have the way Giannis was playing? McCall Bridges, nice piece. They just signed him to a, like a four-year extension. I think it was like four years, $65 million. And Monty Williams, good coach. They're bringing back most, like the majority of that team that just went to the finals. So, of course, we got to have them pretty high. Yeah, for sure. I think this is maybe a little bit disrespectful, like you said. Um, I think that the Suns were a big surprise last year in terms of Chris Paul coming in and really galvanizing that team. And they've got a lot of young stars who should, in, at least in theory, continue to get better uh, with that young core, like you mentioned, Booker, Aiton, McCall Bridges. You know, They added Landry Shamit, who should give the bench a boost. Kind of like the Knicks, but like on a bigger scale. Uh, I think they've got to show that last year wasn't a fluke um, and that they didn't just have the second best record in the league and catch the league by surprise. Now they've got to come back and do it again. And I think they've got a good chance of doing that. But the West is still pretty tough. Uh, so Also, I'm interested to see like how this whole thing with DeAndre Ayton's contract like affects the season because they didn't agree to his extension. We saw all these other players sign their rookie extensions. I just mentioned McCall Bridges, but he's also seen Trey Young and Luca, the other two big rookies from that, or the other two big players from that same draft in which he went number one, get their extensions, and he doesn't have one. Even Jaron Jackson got his. Yeah. And you were just talking about, like, can Jaron Jackson even play a full season or rebound the ball when he is on the court? DeAndre Ayton was balling, and they didn't sign him to that extension. Yeah. I mean, I think it's I think it's tough because is Ayton a max player? I mean, apparently anybody is a max player nowadays. But so probably yes. But still, I think it makes sense for this on the Suns' part to maybe just wait and see. But at the same time, you risk him losing him for nothing and – they they can still match. He'll be a restricted free agent. They can still match any offer, but it might be pretty expensive. So, and of course, you don't want to alienate one of your players like that. So, moving into number five. Yes, we have them pretty high, but the Hawks are soaring, baby, and that's what we've got at number five, based on their amazing playoff run last year. Kind of like the Knicks. Kind of like the Suns. Uh, the Hawks had a, a year that most people did not expect. Let's be honest, pretty much nobody expected uh, going into last year. But I think they showed that they're here to stay. Of course, led by Trey Young. And they've got such a solid core. Uh, Herter and Collins just signed extensions. Uh, actually, Capella also signed an extension as well earlier in the offseason. DeAndre Hunter started... Uh, having a little bit more of a breakout year before he got injured, unfortunately. And, you know, Mike and I were talking, this is probably the deepest team in the NBA in terms of guys who could consistently uh, or, or could have consistent minutes in a playoff rotation. I think they go, you know, 10, 12 deep in terms of that. Uh, of course, they got the two new rookies, Sharif Cooper, Jalen Johnson, both of which 
showed a lot of potential in summer league. And just in general, we thought were steals uh, compared to where the Hawks got him in the draft. They signed Nate McMillan to a longer extension, remove that interim tag after he did such a great job last year. The Hawks are riding high. Honestly, as a Hawks fan, it's hard to not get too excited about this team. We were talk, we were talking, we we're like, man, we just keep talking our like the Hawks up in these rankings. Um, but I think it's deserved. The only my only question is, if Trey Young gets injured, uh, like he did against the Bucks, are we able to sustain our level of play even without him? I think he's one of the most important team or players to any team in the league, and. I mean, hopefully it doesn't happen, of course, but if it does, you know, can the Hawks count on anybody else to really lead that team? On the flip side, though, since you mentioned that Trey Young injury, we were doing fine against the Bucks in the conference finals last season. And then Trey Young gets hurt. Remember, we were playing without DeAndre Hunter, too. If DeAndre Hunter's playing, if Trey Young doesn't get hurt, do we know for a fact that the Bucks beat us? I don't. I I don't think there's like I don't think we can definitively say that the Hawks still would have lost if we were fully healthy. Which would have put us in the finals. And if we can beat the Bucks, I know for sure we would have beaten the Suns. Like, come on. But even still, we lose to the Bucks in the conference finals. That literally makes us a top four team in terms of like where we finished last year. And we have a the Hawks at number five now. So I don't think that this is like a huge reach or anything. I think this is totally realistic. And the Hawks are in position to contend for a championship. I love hearing you say those words, Mike. You're speaking my language, my friend. So now we're going to move on to number four. And this is the last of our contenders before we get to our three favorites. It's the Utah Jazz. Uh You've heard us sing Quinn Snyder's praises before on this podcast. Uh, he's a great coach with a great system. And of course, Utah is another one of those teams that's really deep. Of course, led by Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. The Jazz are one of those teams, the clock's tickling, ticking a little bit. Um, we've continued to see them year over year put in solid performances in the regular season and not quite managed to pull it together in the postseason. And, you know, you've got guys like Mike Conley, Joe Ingles. These guys are getting a little older. Um, and for the Jazz, it's kind of like, when is this regular season success going to turn over into postseason success? The emergence of Jordan Clarkson last year was pretty big for them, I think. Uh, sixth man of the year. And, you know, they brought in Rudy Gay, who I think can still be a productive player. He's 35, but I think he's an upgrade to their bench for sure. And, you know, they drafted Jared Butler, who uh, was a big part of that Baylor team, of course. I think he could be a guy who can see some minutes right away. And that's just going to lengthen this rotation even more. Can Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert elevate their games and get the Jazz to the finals? I mean, that is the big question. But what's not in question is the fact that they'll be in position to fight for it. They're going to ball out in the regular season. They're going to put themselves as... I, I can't imagine this team ending any lower than like fourth in the West. They're just going to succeed 
and have like, or they're going to be in the right position at the end. And so when you're in that position, whether you're like completing the mission or not, you are in the running. And that's why we have to have them so high because they are going to be setting themselves up for it. But yeah, like you said, the big question is, can they just finally take that big step? Can they get to the finals? So now we have three teams left. Our finals favorites. Number three, the LA Lakers. This is a team that won the championship two seasons ago. And since then, has added Russell Westbrook. So we get this big three of LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Russell Westbrook. And so, of course, one of the biggest questions going into this season is how well do these three players coexist on the same team? On the one hand, it's like, oh, you know, they're like, superstars and they'll figure it out and i think there's some merit to that but on the other side it's like lebron ball dominant westbrook ball dominant neither of which but especially not westbrook are that good off ball like relatively speaking so what do the two do when the other has the ball anthony davis can you play a full season you ditch KCP, Kuzma, and Harrell just to get Westbrook. And those were, well, I'm going to focus on KCP just because he fit a little better, but good supporting pieces. Obviously, like you don't have Danny Green anymore who was on that championship team. It, it's like they're basically just saying like, here's our three and Dwight Howard. <laughs> what are you going to do about it? Yeah, I mean, Staples Center is kind of turning into a retirement home a little bit. I mean, you've got Dwight Howard, Carmelo, Rondo, along with LeBron's old ass. Like, these dudes... Sure, like, we, we've seen even LeBron, who has probably... probably spends more on maintaining his body than anybody else ever has in history... And yet the past two seasons, he still hasn't been able to make it through the full season. Anthony Data Davis, as we always referred to him as, uh, he's always got something going on. Now, Russell Westbrook is typically a guy who's always healthy, but, you know, will he, will he set screens for LeBron? When is the last time you saw Russell Westbrook set a screen? You know what I mean? Like, he's got to do something on offense to try to space the floor. I mean, LeBron has it's been a little bit of a better shooter in the latter part of his career, but still, I mean, if you've got a lineup of Westbrook, LeBron, Anthony Davis, like Dwight Howard, Carmelo, like Horton Tucker, like where's the spacing coming from? You know, are you, are they all just going to take turns like posting up or something or like Russell Westbrook is going to like fly in and try to dunk, you know, I, I, I'm just wondering where do the pieces fit, but at the same time, you've got probably two top 10 players in the NBA on the same team, and then you add Russell Westbrook, who's probably, you know, top 20, top 30 player, you're going to be in contention because that's just how the NBA works, and now you, you know, I'm not going to go into a rant about super teams, but you get the idea. Uh, but of course the Lakers are going to be up there and they're going to be the favorite in the West pretty much as long as LeBron is there. 
uh, that's going to be the case, uh, or at least, you know, the version of LeBron that um, he still showed that he can be. And what I'm expecting to see, I mean, it's, you got Frank Vogel coaching, like, that's a good coach. I don't think that he's too, like, dumb to see this, but Westbrook is younger with more energy than LeBron and doesn't have, like, recent injury history. LeBron doesn't need to play that many minutes per game in the regular season. You can stagger them out. So it's not like, oh, whenever, like, it's not like the three of them are on the court at the same time. You can really play Westbrook more minutes and have him on the court with LeBron and Anthony Davis on the bench and let his energy sort of carry that second unit. And then, like, when LeBron's ready to come back in, maybe you trade them out. So... Maybe they don't spend a lot of time on the court together, but if you always have one, at least one of those three players on the court, that's tough for a lot of teams to deal with. Yeah, but even if you think about the playoffs, though, are you just going to not have Westbrook, Davis, and LeBron playing together? Because you're going to want, you know, when, when it comes playoff time, you're going to want your best players to all be on the court and play as many minutes as possible. So... Of course, maybe they'll figure out figure that out during the regular season. I don't know. But yeah, the Lakers and that big old, you know, swing for Russell Westbrook. We'll see if that was a swing and a miss or if, you know, they make it back to the finals again after LeBron got ousted in the first round for the first time ever. Um, will that be a sign of things to come or will LeBron go back to doing LeBron things? Now, moving on to our top two teams. Obviously, the, the only teams left are the Bucks and the Nets. If you listen to our NFL tier list, then you probably have an idea of who we put number one, and that's because you don't disrespect the reigning champions. So we have the Brooklyn Nets in at number two, even though I think a lot of people have put them at number one. But, of course, the Nets, they've got KD, They've got James Harden, and they kind of have Kyrie. Uh, that's a really big question going into this season is Kyrie's vaccination status. Will he play? Will he not play? Will he get vaccinated? Will he not be vaccinated? We don't know. Um, the Nets have come out and said that Irving's not going to be a part-time player. He's not just going to play on the road. So we don't really know what's going to happen. And I think this team is still good enough to win with just Durant and Harden, of course, with their supporting cast as well. No disrespect to Joe Harris, Patty Mills, who they signed, which is that's looking like a huge signing now that Kyrie is potentially not going to be playing. He can man that starting point guard position. No problem, I think. And then, of course, they've got, you know, a, a supporting cast as well. You know, they got Cam Thomas in the draft who can come off the bench and provide a spark. Javon Carter could be like a, you know, post-hype breakout, I guess. Um, he's 26 now, but he, he played pretty well last uh, last year, shot pretty well from three. He could end up being a bigger piece than people expected. And of course, you've got the old guys at power forward, Blake Griffin, LaMarcus Aldridge, and Paul Millsap, all that power forward position. It'll be interesting to see how those guys, uh, you know, handle their minutes in the regular season if they can stay healthy and what they've still got left to contribute. But of course, when you've got KD and you've got James Harden, 
you know, unless they get hit with the injury bug again, then they're going to be up there with the best record in the league and arguably the favorites to win the title. Probably the media favorites to win the title, but not our favorites. Like you said, you win, you bring your team back, you end up number one on our list. Hey, number one on our NFL list and number one on our NBA list. The Bucks. Look at that. We've talked about this before with the Bucks, but oh my gosh, respect to Giannis doing it the right way, right? Uh, not going off and forming a super team, but like keeping it where you got drafted, building a like having a team built around you, sticking with it, and and then going and winning it. Keep Giannis, keep Middleton, keep Bobby Portis, keep Drew Holiday, keep Brook Lopez. The only player that they really lost of any note was P.J. Tucker, Mm -hmm. which, I mean, I guess is a loss because he guards Kevin Durant, and now who do you have guard Kevin Durant? Giannis. (laughs) That's what we want to see. But, I mean, I guess Mike's favorite player, Dante DiVincenzo, uh, (laughs) wasn't a part of that playoff team for them, and they still managed to win. DiVincenzo will be back this year, so... That'll be a, a pretty big boost for them, uh, much to Mike's chagrin. I mean, it's like him, Jalen Brunson, and <laughs> James Harden, and Kyrie Irving. Like, hmm. just join that ex- like that top tier list of players I can't stand. So this is going to wrap up our NBA tier list for our like preseason predictions. We'll revisit this later on in the season to see how we're doing. And of course, after the season, see how we did. But as it stands, based on our favorites, this means that theoretically, whoever is coming out of the East is our pick to win. But we were set for like a Bucks lakers finals. So we'll see how all that shapes out. But let us know what you think about our tier list. Uh, do you have some major gripes with any of our picks did we put your team too low are you weirdly going to tell us that we put your team too high (laughs) stop showing my team so much love they're not that good either way we'd love to hear it (laughs) don't get my hopes up okay but we would love to hear it either way you can interact with us on social at mike and dave pod on facebook twitter and instagram so let us know your thoughts on our nba tier list And we will be right back with uh, this week's episode of The Hot Seat. All right, last time we did The Hot Seat, we had multiple candidates for you. And we're going to do the same thing this time. So Dave, who do we have as our first candidate for The Hot Seat? The quarterback for my all-time NFL fantasy team, Aaron Rodgers. Yes, I'm sure that you heard about this because it was all over the news everywhere. But just in case you didn't, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers beat up on the Chicago Bears. Not surprisingly, uh, just kind of doing the same old thing that Aaron Rodgers always does against the Bears. So just to kind of rub it in a little bit, not that delivering all of them all these L's wasn't enough. Uh, he, he scrambled uh, to score a fourth quarter touchdown to kind of basically steal the game for the Packers. And 
then ended up shouting at all the Bears fans in the end zone, I've owned you all my effing life. I own you. I still own you. To Rogers' credit, he's played 26 career games against the Bears, going 21-5. and five. So he's got a point. But still, that's that's a little savage and also a little unnecessary. But, I mean, that's why you're on the hot seat. Since then, Olin Krutz, former center from the Chicago Bears and Hall of Fame candidate, like last year, has said, I'd like to punch him in his face. I mean, fair. But, like you said, Aaron Rodgers does kind of own the Bears. So... I think a good way to shut up Aaron Rodgers would be for the Bears to beat them the next time that they play. But I wouldn't quite count on that. Theoretically, that works in theory. (laughs) On the fields, rarely. So, Mike, we've got Aaron Rodgers on one side. Who who do we have on the other side? You know, Patrick Mahomes since he came in the league, has been working so hard to have a good reputation. And his family is doing the freaking opposite. So so they're playing against Washington, and there's an interception. He throws the ball, and it goes off the hands of Tyreek Hill, some might call a drop, and lands in the hands of a defender for an interception. So Patrick Mahomes' mom, Randy, with an I, tweets, Okay, people, that should not be an interception on the QB. That should be a fumble or anything else. Just putting it out there. Go Chiefs. Prompting plenty of people to just, like, jump on it and say, like, yeah, let's just change the rules of football for your son or, you know, whatever. And what I would like to add to that is, like, okay, but how many like touchdowns and how many passing yards does Mahomes have from passing the ball to Tyreek Hill like five, ten yards away and then having him take off like 60 yards into the end zone? He still gets those yards and touchdowns. You can't just have it like the best of both worlds. But that that wasn't even enough from the Mahomes family because even more disrespectfully, because like, Randy Mahomes one is kind of just like, hey, let's treat my son like extra special. But this next one is like blatantly disrespectful. So Washington was doing a ceremony to retire Sean Taylor's number 21. Freaking deservedly. Uh, shout out and RIP Sean Taylor. And they had his number on the sideline everything where... Patrick Mahomes, where we find Patrick Mahomes' brother, Jackson Mahomes, doing a TikTok dance on Sean Taylor's number. Like, are you for real right now? Like, I don't, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt here and say, like, I don't think that he meant to be disrespecting Sean Taylor like that. I think that he was just thinking about, like, getting followers or, likes or whatever the hell you get on tiktok i'm not with the kids these days but what the like what the hell do you think it's there for 
like honestly you think it's just like oh it's just decorative it's just my little dance floor or what like dude come on do not even get me started on tiktok <laughs> i will rant Maybe maybe we could have a special up or special segment of that's that's disrespectful, where I just rant about TikTok for like twenty minutes, um, and I just use this as an excuse. No, but like for real though, just because you're ignorant doesn't give you an excuse, you know. Um, I don't know how old this kid is, but like, I don't know. Maybe instead of maybe instead of tweeting the mom should have been trying to like watch her son. You know what I'm saying? Um, and keep him from making a fool out of himself and also just being really disrespectful. Um, Mahomes is already kind of having, and the chiefs are they're They're kind of having a, a tough season by their standards. Anyway, Mahomes is turning over the ball way more than he typically does. This is the last thing that he needs is his family out here making headlines doing dumb stuff off the field. Um, so, yeah. So, I think both definitely deserving of being on the hot seat this week. We got three people on this episode's hot seat. I guess you can be the judge on who you think should be the most on the hot seat. I think my vote goes to Jackson Mahomes. Just for the sheer like disrespect. But we're going to transition now to this episode's edition of Dave's Fun Fact. So, last week we learned about some fat-ass babies, a.k.a. baby blue whales. So what do we have this time? Well, y'all thought that last episode's fun fact was abbreviated. This one's about to be even more so. That's only slightly because we spent a lot of time talking about our tier list. Um, We're going to be talking about recycling today. Mike. And no, I'm not just using a fun fact that I already used before. I'm talking about actual recycling. Um, that was such a, that was literally such a horrible joke. Um, fun fact for this week. So I was curious because, you know, I'm a guy who recycles. Um, I'm, I'm about protecting the environment, all that kind of stuff. So I thought it was, you know, kind of curious to, to find out some different fun facts about recycling. This is the most interesting one to me. The most recycled material in the United States is asphalt. 99% of all asphalt is recycled and used to fix and build roads over and over again. A variety of recycled materials make it all up, including recycled roof shingles, ground rubber from tires, glass, sand, and even pig manure. And that's really cool. I mean, it's not like you need to waste new material. It doesn't need to be pristine. Like, it's just going to have my car's tires underneath it. Exactly. But that's just crazy that if you think about literally all of the roads in the United States, like how much distance that must cover, and the fact that 99% of all of that is just recycled material. Um, that's just, you know, that's pretty cool. And it's, it's, it just kind of makes you think if it wasn't recycled material, how much new material would we be creating to 
pave all these roads, I mean, that would that would just be even like like more terrible for the environment and stuff. So it's just kind of cool that we're able to make asphalt from all these other materials and that, um, you know, that's obviously has, I think, a pretty good effect on the environment, even though we're probably in order to create new roads, bulldozing down trees and commercializing everything. But regardless of that, <laughs> it's still a fun fact. It's still cool. Not to mention all the emissions from actually driving on those roads. But hey. Okay, this is supposed to be, yeah, it's supposed to be a fun <laughs> fact, not a dang. We're doing terribly <laughs> as a society to take care of the earth. Um, Humans are trash. This isn't breaking news. Right. I mean, speaking of humans being trash, speaking of the hot seat, speaking of the hot seat and humans being trash, we didn't really talk about, about him. I don't really want to because we've already spent so much time on this episode. But John Gruden is a human trash pile. I hate him. I I just wanted to make sure that we establish that. And good for the Raiders for, you know, sticking together and, you know, uh, coming together to support their interim head coach and getting that victory over the Broncos. I thought that was pretty cool. And also, like, how ironic is it that the one openly gay player in the NFL was on John Gruden's team? <laughs> it was like, of course that would be the case. That's going to wrap up this episode of the Mike and Dave podcast, episode 14. Getting pretty close to episode 15, because that's how numbers work. Um <laughs> thank thank you guys for listening uh hope you enjoyed our tier list like mike said uh previously interact with us on social media at mike and dave pod um if you have any gripes about uh, our tier list what your tier list would look like and we're going to share um like our tier maker thing on social media as well so you can get a visual representation of what it looks like um and we'll revisit that later in the season um uh, a little bit of a spoiler alert, I guess. Um, the midway point of the NFL season is coming up pretty soon, so we're actually going to be reviewing our tier list for the NFL, um, seeing what we got right, what we got wrong, and just kind of doing an adjusted version. Uh, and that'll be coming up pretty soon, so make sure to look out for that. And, uh, you know, if you've been enjoying listening to these podcasts and you want to show your support, then uh, drop us a subscribe or a follow and give us a five-star review or rating on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. That would be much appreciated. We'll be looking forward to interacting with you on social media. Again, that handle is at Mike and Dave Pod for Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And that episode that you were talking about, Dave, talking about like the midway point through the NFL season, you can look for that on November 8th. And we'll see where we're where we stand at that point with our entire nfl tier list but i hope you guys have enjoyed episode 14 like you said almost to 15 we're counting it up but as always this has been mike and this has been dave and you've been listening to the mike and dave podcast Alex.